Chapter 1 of Dave Dashaway, Around the World, or A Young Yankee Aviator Among Many Nations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to learn how to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dave Dashaway, Around the World, by Roy Rockwood. Chapter One, The Comet. I wish Dave Dashaway would hurry up here, said Hiram Dobbs, who was for the time being in charge of the biplane, the Comet. What's your great anxiety, Hiram? questioned Elmer Brackett, reclining comfortably in one of the spacious seats behind the pilot post of the machine. "'Do you know that fellow with a long frock coat over yonder? "'The one who looks like some cheap, sharp lawyer?' "'There,' added Hiram, pointing at a group near a hangar. "'He's talking now with that fat, porpoise-looking man "'with gold braid on his cap and a badge on his coat.' "'I see them,' nodded young Brackett. "'Never saw either before that I can remember. "'What of them?' "'Just this.' replied the young airman, quite seriously. "'That lawyer fellow has been rustling around like a hen on a hot griddle for the last ten minutes. He seemed to be waiting for someone. Then I saw that man with a light fuzzy hat and a mustache and glasses come in a great hurry up to him and direct his attention to the airship here. Just now the same fellow pointed it out to that constable, policeman, or whatever he is.' "'I declare!' exclaimed Elmer with a start, sitting up and taking notice. "'Why, I know the man with the fuzzy hat.' "'You do?' "'I am sure of it, Hiram. He is disguised, but I certainly recognize him. That fellow is my enemy.' And the speaker shifted around in his seat, greatly disturbed. "'Do you remember that fellow, Vernon?' "'I should say so.' "'And I suspected it to be just that individual all along,' explained Hiram. "'He's made all of us trouble enough not to be forgotten.' "'I wish Dave would come,' said Elmer anxiously. "'It would be a terrible thing if, after all my hopes and preparations, "'something should come up to prevent my going with you "'on the great airship trip around the world.' "'Elmer Brackett spoke very earnestly.' He might well do so. When he referred to an exploit that sounded like the scheme of some visionary, his words had a tangible and sensible business basis. His companion was pretty nearly a professional airman, and Elmer himself knew a great deal about aircraft. His father was practically the owner of the Interstate Aero Company. The person they were now awaiting, Dave Dashaway, was a youth who had won fame and fortune in the aviation field. Young as Dave was, this expert had pretty nearly reached the top as a professional airman. Those who have been introduced to him in the first book of the present series, named Dave Dashaway, the Young Aviator, will recall with interest his first struggles to earn recognition and a living in a line to which he was naturally adapted. Dave Dashaway's father had been a scientific balloonist, 
and when Dave met the old aviator, Robert King, he found a man who was glad to help him in his ambition to succeed as a sky sailor. Dave steadily and earnestly studied aeronautics as if he was learning a trade. In the second volume of this series, entitled Dave Dashaway and His Hydroplane, the energetic young airman won marked distinction at an aero meet by his monoplane and hydroplane work. His ability won the attention of a friend and former professional associate of his father, and the latter agreed to finance the most stupendous aerial proposition ever attempted. The result has been told in the preceding volume of this series called Dave Dashaway and His Giant Airship. The remarkable adventures of Dave and his friends while sailing the mammoth airship, the Albatross, across the Atlantic Ocean have there been narrated. After the giant airship had started on its extraordinary trip, a stowaway had been discovered, Elmer Brackett. It seemed that the lad had gotten into bad company. His father was rich and he had plenty of money, which he spent very foolishly. He had formed the acquaintance of a clever schemer named Vernon. This man had so enmeshed Elmer in his toils that he made the boy believe that he could send him to prison and ruin his father's business. All this was untrue, but in sheer desperation, believing he had wrecked all his chances in life, the frightened lad had secretly stolen aboard the Albatross. In a very heroic way, he had saved the crew of the giant airship from capture by some mountain outlaws in North Carolina, where the albatross had descended for repairs. This had made him a welcome comrade to Dave and Hiram. When the former returned to the United States, victor in the great race across the Atlantic and the possessor of a small fortune in prize money, his first task was to hunt up the schemer, Vernon. Dave gave the rascal to understand that if he annoyed Elmer any further, he would find himself in serious trouble. For all that Dave Dashaway and the powerful friends he had made did, however, Vernon was slow to abandon his hope of fleecing his victim out of more money. He tried to blackmail Mr. Brackett, even brought a suit against the wealthy manufacturer on some notes he had induced the son to sign under false pretenses. To get rid of him, Mr. Brackett had finally given Vernon a sum of money to cease his annoying persecutions. Then Vernon had disappeared, and Dave had supposed that he was off the map for good. Elmer had acted like a new being since coming under the healthy influence of the brisk, high-minded young airman Dave Dashaway and his ardent assistant Hiram Dobbs. For the first time in his life, the zest of adventure and the ambition to make something of himself had acted like a spur on the young fellow. For over a month our hero, Dave, and his two loyal comrades had led an existence of delight. The young airman had become greatly interested in an exploit in which he had been invited to take part. The National Aero Association had arranged for a wonderful novelty and a test in the aviation field. This was nothing less 
than an aeroplane race around the world. The route had been marked out, the prizes announced, and the rules of the contest adopted. Nearly half a score of contestants had registered. In the official list there had been published a line or two that the adventurous Hiram read proudly a dozen times a day. Entrance 6, the biplane comet. Pilot, Dave Dashaway. An aeromeet was now in progress near the city of Washington, which was to be the starting point of the great race. Dave and his young assistants had fairly lived at the plant of the Interstate Aero Company. Every facility of the great factory had been placed at the command of Dave. The result had been the construction of the Comet, probably the most perfect and splendid aircraft ever built. There was a permanent aero practice field near the factory, and on the afternoon when our story opens, the comet was ready to make its daily trial flight. With the morrow, entirely equipped, and its crew aboard, the model biplane was to sail across the country for Washington, to be on hand for the start of the race around the world a few days following. Other skycraft were in practice or motion about the field. Hiram and Elmer had gotten their machine in order for a non-stop flight of 100 miles. They were waiting for the arrival of Dave when Hiram made the discovery that upon the very eve of their grand and stimulating star exploit, an old enemy had suddenly appeared upon the scene. Hiram Dobbs bent a keen, suspicious glance at the three men whom he had pointed out to his comrade. A worried look came to Elmer's face as he, too, watched them. "'Yes,' said the latter in an uneasy tone, but convincedly, "'one of those men is Vernon.' "'And the others are a lawyer and an officer of the law,' added Hiram. "'There's something afoot, Elmer.' I guess what it is, and I'll fool them. The constable is coming this way, exclaimed Elmer apprehensively. He won't get here quick enough, declared Hiram. I see through their tricks. Vernon is bent on having you arrested on some flimsy charge. The scoundrel counts on the belief that your father will pay him more money rather than see the comet delayed for the race. We'll disappoint him. The speaker shot out his hand to the wheel. His foot was ready to depress the self-starter button. "'All clear?' he called to the field man who stood close by, and the latter nodded and waved his hand. "'The constable is running towards us,' said Elmer rapidly. "'Chug, chug, the comet rose from the ground!' Elmer Brackett uttered a great sigh of relief. Hiram chuckled softly to himself. "'Hold on! I've got a warrant! In the name of the law!' Ugh. The comet gave a great sway. Its pilot dared not relax attention to his duties, but he shot a swift glance at the source of the outcry. "'The mischief!' uttered Hiram in surprise and concern. The big, 
bulky constable was clinging to the machine body, his feet dangling, his face white and scared-looking, swaying helplessly, except for his frantic handhold, fifty feet above the ground. End of chapter one.